Well, hey, everyone. How's everybody doing? Good to see you guys. We want to give a big shout out and a welcome to our brand new Aberdeen campus and all the crazy people over at Edgewood. We love you guys. And Abingdon, Mountain Road, and everybody join us online. Isn't it, it's really great that we get to do this together, and we're really glad. I'm super excited about what's going on, and I just sense this weekend is going to be a time when the Spirit of God is going to show up and move in a really special way. I'm glad you are participating in this. We've been talking about habits. Let me catch you up because I know we got a bunch of new people here, but I'm just going to tell you we've been talking about habits, a series called The Force of Habit because habits have a very powerful force in our life, don't they? Like you don't even intend it, but they get ingrained in your life. You don't even make decisions. You're just sort of following your habits. Show me your habits. I'll show you your life, right? Aristotle's the guy who said, we are what we repeatedly do. So when habits come into our life, they have a way of shaping us and taking us. And so we're just getting real about all that and admitting that, you know what, during pandemic time, you know, some of us started some new good, God-pleasing, life-giving habits, but some of us have seen the encroachment of some pretty bad habits that have surfaced in our life. And this is a big deal because habits have a way, man, there are habits that can lead you away from God. They can, they can really like be a drag on your relationships. They can affect your attitude and your outlook negatively. They start kind of preoccupying you so you don't have life and joy for anything else. And they can basically help you become the person you don't want to be. So that's why we're so excited about scriptures like Hebrews 12, which is out of the Bible, and it just says, it says, therefore, since we're surrounded by such a great cloud of witnesses, which reminds us that you are not going through whatever you're going through alone, that there are other believers like in this church and other people who form a cloud of witnesses, like we're not in this alone. In fact, people who have run the race of faith before us are leaning over the balcony of heaven, cheering us on like you can do this. Okay, you're not alone. So we are surrounded by a cloud of witnesses. Let us, therefore, throw off everything that hinders. Wouldn't that sound good to you? To throw off whatever is hindering you in your life right now. I bet every one of us has something that's hindering us we could throw off. And the sin, it says, that so easily entangles. Why? Well, it says... So we can run with perseverance, like we don't quit when it gets hard, the race that is marked out before us. we got to run. Some of us aren't running. We're stuck because of the habits. But we can run. And how do we do that? Well, you keep your eyes fixed on Jesus the whole time. Like he's the, he's the pioneer. He went first, and he's the perfecter. He shows us how to do it. And that's how you run the race. And so we're going to talk about that again this, this time. And this idea of throwing off what hinders us is really important and, and what entangles you. If, someone, if, I'm, if I'm out in the woods and a big bear starts charging after me, like running after me, going to eat me alive, right? What am I going to do? Okay, now I know some of you are thinking, Ben, knowing you, you'd probably just fight the bear. But no, you're right. I'm going to run. I'm going to run, right? And, or if, or it's, there's some things in life you've got to run from. It's going to eat you alive. You've got to run sometimes that race of faith. And, and, and sometimes like if you saw someone you haven't seen in a long time or they, they come home and you miss them or you, know, you want to run to them and, and embrace them. And sometimes in life you've got to be able to run to stuff. But, but here's the thing. 
Let's just say, this is kind of awkward, but let's just say um, I'm in the middle of pulling my pants off, and I pull my britches down, and I drop them down my ankles, and before I get a chance to step out of my pants, here comes that big old bear. Now what happens? What happens? I, I you know, it's like that bathroom move, you know, or it, it's not going to happen. I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to get eaten alive, Right? And that's what it feels like when you're entangled. And some of you know exactly what I'm talking about. When sin and the stuff that hinders us entangles us and slows us back, slows us down. It doesn't matter what I want to do or what I promised someone I would do or what I intend to do. We got to pull up our big boy britches and our big girl pants and we've got to learn to run the race of faith. And you can't do that on your own. And that's where we need the help of Jesus Christ. And only when we begin to surrender the hurts and the habits and the hang-ups that we have at the deepest places and invite Jesus into the deep places can he bring that healing and that hope. And I know someone's here listening to me right now who needs some hope, who needs some encouragement, who needs to say, I, I, I feel like that, like I've got something that's going to eat me alive, but I'm just sitting there stuck with my pants around my ankles because I can't move. I can't run that race. I want to give you some encouragement. I want to give you some hope right now. Because the Bible promises in 2 Peter 1 says, by God's divine power, you know what? God has already given us everything we need to live a godly life. And it's found in Jesus. We've received by coming to know him, Jesus Christ. So, hey, and if you want some help during the week, we're going to give you a couple little um, encouraging texts. Um, put that number on the screen there and type te- text the word habit to that number and, and we'll send you a couple texts this next, next week. All right, so I'm excited about who you came to hear this service right here. He's a world-famous rock star. He's the founder and still member of the band Corn. And um, by way of introduction, let me just show you this video. It's like, 
they're like, oh man, you have it all. Man, you are like, oh, you see Brian, he's doing so good. See the corn guys are doing so good. They have, man. I had to play that role that everyone thought I had everything, so I had to act like I was happy and things were okay. And my dad, I guess I wanted to show him that I could make it on my own and and be okay. And my mom, I didn't want to worry, so so I just, I, it was just, I lived a lie. <laughs> to me, I, I knew something was missing because I was trying to fill an empty space with something that was hurting me. So he's not here to play music tonight. He's here to tell you a story. And it's a story that everybody needs to hear because you're going to relate to a lot of it. And I know he's a world-famous rock star and all that, but you know what? He's really just a great guy. He's super down-to-earth. He's my Christian brother, and he's in the middle of a tour right now, but he came all the way out here to be with you guys. So he's used to playing to sell out crowds who really just go crazy when he comes out. So let's show him how Mountain does it. Big old rowdy Mountain Rockus welcome for our friend Brian Head Welch. Come on, Brian. Thank you, thank you. Thank you, Jim. Thank you very much. Have a seat, man. I invited a few friends over. Hope that's cool. Yeah. Yeah. So I'm happy to see you here. Uh, we got to... Uh, Where do we start? Where do we start? Well, let me just tell you, it's amazing that he's here because, well, first of all, back up. You're in the middle of like this crazy tour right now. That was not, you were supposed to be done with it, but you're here because there was a COVID thing or whatever, and the whole thing got delayed, and so you're in the middle of this thing. You have no business being here, but you're a man of your word, and you're like, I'm going to go see my people on the East Coast. We thought it would be easy. It wasn't easy today, was it? No. <laughs> not at all. But, uh, yeah, just the, the tour got postponed. I was supposed to be off for three weeks and then come here, and then it, a couple guys got COVID, not at the same time, one after another. And so it just, yeah, just went up. We shot a video in Los Angeles yesterday, so I got on an early flight and came here. I'm like a mess, and I'm confused and everything. I told him I'm at Dooley's. Is that what you yeah, he, he thought the name of the airport was Dooley's. I'm like, dude, that's an Irish bar. But I think you mean Dulles. So I'm going to pick him up because I don't want one of you picking him up. I'm going to go pick up my friend Brian, right? So I drive to Dulles. And we spend about 20 minutes trying to find each other, only to find out, I don't think you're at Dulles. Yeah. <laughs> so I'm like, where, where do you think you are? It get, hold on, it gets worse. I'm like, I think I'm at we're, we're kind of tight. We got to get there because there's a bunch of people going to be here. And where are you? And we say... He comes to BWI to pick me go up. Go BWI. So it's like, I, we'll make that on the way. So I go to BWI. And then I'm looking for him. And I'm like, dude. And I say, no, there I'm, is at, no I'm door. at Ronald Reagan Airport. He's at Reagan. <laughs> so, but he got here. He's here. Did we even like... Did I... I don't remember saying BWI, though. I remember... I, remember, I don't remember much, actually. <laughs> well, seriously, uh, believers in the house and online, be praying right now. This guy has been busting it. He did, did you think he, I was on drugs, back on drugs? He's <laughs> like, well, I thought we might have to have an intervention. I got a few friends gathered around here, as a matter of fact. 
We're going to get to that. We're going to get to that. Before in my life, I, I don't even know what happened to my, my brain. I know a tour and a video and no sleep and getting on a plane and waking up when it landed. And I just didn't know what was going on. Tell me what you told me backstage when we were praying, getting ready to go about how you're feeling now, though. I mean, you're so exhausted and all this. And he's like, I want to make this work. And in the prayer that you prayed backstage about uh, stepping out, how did you say that, stepping out? Oh, yeah. I just said on the way here, I was like coming out of my fog. And I go, Lord, I'm stepping out of myself right now. And I'm stepping into you. Take over. There you go. All right. I like it. I just blew it. Well, we've been, this was supposed to happen long before that pandemic thing, and uh, we finally made it happen. I'm so glad we did. And one of the reasons I'm so glad you're here is we were talking, I mean, everyone's probably already thinking this, but we're so much alike. <laughs> we have so much in common, man. And I mean, you're in a band, right? Yeah. So yep. I was in a band. You didn't ask, but I'm, I'm telling you, I was, maybe you heard of us, Aslan? Aslan? Aslan, like the lion. In, uh, yeah. For like uh, about six months, we were a pretty big deal among like middle school church groups. Awesome. Anyway. Sounds. Uh, but you do play guitar. You play guitar. Any and big tours or anything? We did a big tour. We had a bus. We painted the bus brown and painted it like a lion. So it had like um, the, eye, the, the headlights were the eyeballs. And it had like, we even drew like whiskers on the hood. Okay, anyway. Moving on. Moving on. You play a little guitar, right? So tell us, um, this has become a huge thing for you. When and how did you start playing guitar? Because you're pretty good, man. How did that, what happened and why? What was that all about? Thank you. Uh, it was just, um, you know, I grew up in Bakersfield, California, home of Buck Owens, and he's a famous country star, and he had a TV show called Hee Haw and everything. And They're clapping for Hee Haw. You're Hee-haw. embarrassing me. We actually, uh, we actually lease his family because he passed away a few years ago and we lease the the building the buck owens building where he did all his records in the studio and we have a recording studio there so but i rebelled from country music and got into metal and uh yeah it just it, it clicked for me I, I didn't have the 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 best uh i wasn't really emotionally stable i got picked on a lot and i was just really kind of a sad kid about half of the time and so i just poured into my guitar and listened to ACDC and Iron Maiden and all these rebellious bands and but I was you know I was just an average kid I think that just uh, I loved music you know I'm, a, I'm an artist so I got I got uh, the emotional problems I think because artists are like they're feelers and I and I got uh, I got hurt more than I should have and mm. if I was like a, a jock you know or something but right. I was more sensitive. <laughs> so guitar did something for you. I mean, yeah. why, 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 what did you love about it? It helped me, like, I don't know. It just helped me. Um, just It's like my soul came through my fingers, and, and, and I could just express myself, you know, and, ex- and, and express and let the pain go through the music, let the excitement of the love of music come through the, my fingers, let, you know, the, uh, every, all, all human emotions, That's you know? Cool. So, and corn has a lot of emotions, like anger. It's, it's and, pretty and raw. Depression yeah. and, yeah. More than Buck Owens usually gave in yeah, his music, yeah, that's for sure. Yeah, yeah. So what was like the first song you pick up a guitar, the first songs you're learning to play on a guitar? Um, well, my mom was, I, I was like, I want electric. I want to rock, you know? And um, she bought me this little acoustic guitar, 20 bucks or whatever back then. And, um, I, and. You know, I'm grateful because I don't want to get smacked. You know, I'm like, well, thanks, but she's like, you show me you learn a song, 
And then maybe for your birthday or something, we can get you a cheap little electric or whatever. So I learned Mary had a little lamb. And then what everybody else learned, smoke on the water. Well, we happen to have a guitar right here, and we're going to give this guitar away to someone here in just a minute. But before we do, we got to make it a, a, a special Brian guitar. Will you sign that sucker for us? Yes, sir. Yeah, sign that just right all over it. And, uh, and, then, yeah. and then play us a little tune here. I want to hear Mary Had a Little Lamb or, or Smoke on the Water or, or something like that. And I want to hear it in metal because that's, you know, my favorite. Like Aslan, right? Aslan? Did I say it yeah, wrong? It, it does matter how you pronounce that. But. All right. That wasn't planned. Okay. All, All right. right. You, want me to, you want me to hold your mic? Cause you're gonna, oh, yeah, I got to Yeah, play. I got your mic. I'm your, I'm your mic stand. I'll be your boom guy. What are you going to play for us? And I want to hear it in metal. Um, As- 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 Aslan's biggest hit. <laughs> oh, Kirk, you blew it. <laughs> Kirk was going to get us all hit, set up here. What? Ooh, Kirk came through. All right. He said we wanted distortion. It sounded like Tom Petty, and then he kicked in the distortion. So let's do some... Uh, Buck Owens. <laughs> so that's that. Uh, uh, smoke on the water. <laughs> Which I think is a song about uh, a bong. <laughs> smoke on the water. And every kid learns it, so that's I, just It's actually about, it's it's about the baptism of Jesus when the mist came up off of the Jordan River. Is it? Yeah. Wow. Yeah. And then Mary had a little lamb. Can you sing the lyrics in, 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 in metal for us? Just a little bit of the metal. Mary had a... I'm not like <laughs> All right, man. Thanks, man. Great job. All right, here we go. Who gets it? Wow. All right. Who gets this? Okay, so... Who, like, how do we... All right, we we're going to have a it? trivia question. We got the signature here, okay? And uh, can you see that? I don't know if they can see that on the screen, but trust me, it's there. And uh, you got a great trivia question here. Here's the question. Only cornheads are going to know this. Yeah, this is, it might be a little too difficult for y'all, but... Oh, but hey, also, we're going to put a number on the screen. All of our campuses, anyone watching online, anywhere you are, we're not doing this immediately, so whenever you're seeing this, you submit your answer... And, uh, and you have a shot at it. All right, what's the question? I told you backstage, what is it? Oh, yeah. Uh, oh, the seven-string thing. Seven-string thing. Oh, yeah. Okay, sorry. I came up with, like, three. This one, one. It's a little difficult. So who in the band um, came up with the idea and, and got the first seven-string guitar, which has become Korn's signature sound for 26 years? So who was the first? Who was the to, band member? The band member of Corn to first play and do the seven-string thing. Yeah. All right, that's your question. First band member of Corn. Text your answer. Good luck. Winner will hear from us. You'll probably hear from Jared Fox on that. Thanks, man. Hold on, I gotta make a text. No, no, no. <laughs> that that nice of a guitar. You need that, don't you? <laughs> Um, so let's talk about Corn. Um, talk about this this band. You you you're, you met you know your buddy from middle school, Field Lee, and 
you, you start playing music together, together and corn starts taking off. Tell us about that because it's unbelievable. It's crazy. What happened there? It was, it was kind of surreal because um, I just made a post about my uncle who just passed away recently. And uh, I met Fieldy, the bass player, when we were 10 years old. And wow. he lived right down the street from my uncle. And so it just... It's just very surreal that, you know, when I met him, he was actually, uh, it's so funny, he was into Duran Duran and Flock of Seagulls and all these, like, new wave bands. Mm, yeah. And I was like, all the girls like those bands. So I give him props. He was, like, trying to, like, you know, fit in and, and talk to girls. But I was like, you got to get into Aussie, man. You got to get into ACDC. Like, what are you doing? And, and um, he did. I converted one back then, and so I met the, the other guitar player, James Monkey Schaefer, when he was uh, 14. He actually played acoustic like I, when I started out, and I sold him my guitar. It was kind of like this. It was white and kind of a, a trippy shape. Like, that's not your standard shape. It's a cool shape right there. But, uh, yeah, so it's just kind of weird that we, we ended up in, in Hollywood, Los Angeles, where I was born, and... Um, but, yeah, I migrated to uh, Bakersfield, California, and grew up there from fourth grade on. And, but we just, you know, I met these guys when we were kids, and we all just poured ourselves into our instruments, and we just uh, You worked really LA, hard on your yeah. craft, but like, then you also, it, there were lots of good bands, but you guys just took off. Tell about that meteoric rise, like what happened, and what all of a sudden you find, what, tell us about that, that whole yeah, it was just surreal because I grew up with, we all grew up together, and then we got signed, and then we made it, and we we shot, like, it was crazy, when we first came out, people didn't really know what to think of us, they still don't know what to think of us, but, because we were so different, you know, just dreadlock dudes just banging their heads around, and look like, uh, you know, a bunch of homeless guys with freaking instruments or something, you know, but... But we had something that the kids just grabbed onto, which is our singer's raw and real lyrics about uh, some abuse he suffered growing up, about getting picked on by yeah. the jocks, about, you know, this and that, and, mm -hmm. and relationships and depression and all that. And so it just caught on to a lot of people. And at first, like, record companies are, didn't really believe in us, and we barely got signed. And our, even our own label head that signed us said, you guys aren't going to go, that, you know, you'll have a little, you didn't believe, I'm like, why'd you sign us? You don't even believe in us. But we went farther than his expectations. Radio was like, we'll never play this band. Never. And then uh, about a year or two later, we were on and we just went to the top. I think our, our music got a little bit more commercial after like third record. You know, we had this song, uh, that had a little disco beat, but it had screams in it. You know, got the life. Some maybe one or two of you might know what it is. But once that popped, it was like it went big, and then all these other bands came out. It was an exciting time in music. You know, yeah. it was like Eminem just came out around then, Blink One Eighty Two, and then like you know, Los Angeles. You know, the West Coast, like Ice Cube and, and Snoop and, and Dre, and all of them came out. So it was like all this mixture, and we. We it, it was exciting. We did music with Ice Cubies on one of our records, and it was just surreal. It was like dream come you're true. You're just flying stuff. pretty, and then you're it opening for your, your child. It was fun, and it was wild and crazy. And you're opening for your childhood hero, Ozzy. Ozzy. Yeah. I mean, right? What was it like? What's Ozzy like? I mean, Ozzy. Uh, he's he's Ozzy. You know, he's he's the same like today as he was back then, but uh, he's it, he was. 
Sharon was uh, his, his wife, Sharon Osborne. She was she just has an eye for music, and she came in. We actually went gold, and on that tour wow. back then, it was our first record about a year after its release, and we went gold. And you know, I was just tripping because Ozzy was like he was plastered on my walls when I grew up. Then I'd see him like running down the hallway, and I'd be like, Ozzy, Ozzy, come here, come. and he'd just wander <laughs> off, and then oh, I'll be back. And then, uh, but when we went gold, they bought us, him and Ozzy and Sharon bought us champagne and brought it in our dressing room and surprised us. Our managers hit him up and said, hey, go tell them they went, just went gold. And so they came in and, and, uh, and Sharon's like, you guys are going to have a, a really uh, long career. And was she moment. was like, she's prophesied it to us. And, and then Ozzy was like, ah, oh, congratulations. <laughs> Can I go now, honey? <laughs> But uh, it was surreal, man. And just I, I just want to say it was so fun, and those years were fun. We were drinking a lot of beer and stuff, not a lot of hard drugs. I mean, we, when we first started, we were doing a lot of hard drugs. But when we hit the road, it was all about the band. You were working just, hard, yeah. yeah. And so it was, it, we had some good times on the climb up. Yeah, but then it, it you know, you've, you've told about how it did start to, to turn dark for you. Yeah. Walk us through some of that transition. I mean, you've got incredible, you're young, right? Having a great time, but then you've got all that stuff that musicians had. What was that like, the, 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 the darkness? You've used that word. What do you mean by that? Um, it's just, uh, you know, I met these guys, um, you know, junior high or high school, the guys in the band, and we pretty much started our uh, life together drinking. I started drinking around 14, 15. And so basically we just kind of like got through high school. We weren't like bringing whiskey to school or nothing, but on the weekends we'd get drunk and whatever. And so when we moved out of our houses and went to L.A. and started the band, it was just continuing. It got more and more and more. And then, we got, then we got into methamphetamine a little bit when we first started corn. That scared us because like meth and heroin are a no-no. <laughs> and so when we're like, okay, we're going to ruin our career before it starts if we're going to be messing with meth. So we got on the road, and we're like, no drugs. And so we just drank, but it was just always like every day, like 15, 20 beers, 25 beers every day. And, you know, and, if, and it's, like, it's like if you go to college and, you, and you're in your, uh, you know, frat house or whatever, and you never graduate college. You just stay there doing the same thing. That's what our life was like. And when they gave us free anything, like we had Jägermeister endorsements, we had, so that, it just, it's just that, you know, too much of that, you're going to have bad results. And we, we tried, we would always joke, we wanted to be like the next Motley Crue, to, they were just like, you know, the dirt and, you know, the movie that was on Netflix, whatever, I haven't seen the whole thing, but you know about Motley Crue. So we wanted to be that, and, uh, but meanwhile, it's just going to, like, it's going to erode everything. It's just going to like tear everything apart in your life, which it did. You're starting to feel that even early on. And so, so outwardly, though, you're still like shooting straight up. Number one MTV video and yep. top of the Billboard charts, sell out crowds. But what's happening like on the inside? What, what's happening in your life, your relationships, that kind of thing? You know, uh, us boys who met when we were in school uh, are turning into men. And all we know how to do is, is live like boys. So that's what, is what happened. Wow. And, uh, you know, it's just about, it was, even the shows were like high school. It's like, you know, see who could get the, the, the girl, you know, or the girls. And, you know, kind of 
try to fight over that a little bit. You know, I saw her first, <laughs> stupid stuff like that. And we're like late 20s. It's just, it was just weird. And, and inside of myself, I was, it was an identity crisis, you know? Yeah. Mm-hmm. And then we started having kids and got married. Next thing you know, you're seeing, you know, a daughter running around the house. And you're like, you know, who do you want your kid to grow up to be? Well, not me. <laughs> And not these girls that I'm hanging out with on the road, lying to my wife about that I'm, you know, being a good boy when whatever. And so it was identity crisis. And I started to uh, just get more depressed and more depressed. I had asked the Lord in my heart when I was 12, when I was going through a lot of bullying and had depression back then growing up. And um, I just feel like he was letting me have all the goodies that I wanted until... He could. He was letting me re- reap what I was sowing. Reap what you sowed. Yeah, wow. because he cared for me, hmm. and he didn't want me to feel good about what I was doing. And mm-hmm. I just feel like you know, I, it's a it's a funny thing when you ask the Lord to come and live inside of your 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 spirit and your soul. He he comes and he lives inside of you, and uh, he will lead you and guide you. And when you're going the wrong way, he'll. He knows what to use to bring you back. And so mine was uh, just loss of identity and depression and, and uh, self-hatred. Mm-hmm. And so, yeah, I just kept going that way, though. I, I didn't come back because I was blind and I didn't know. Uh, I didn't know if it was real that I asked them in my life when I was little. And so I just kept going darker and darker and darker, more depressed. And I really can't describe with the words how lost I was because I had millions of dollars and all the power that I wanted, and I'm supposed to be a strong person, but I was in a prison of fame and addiction, and then I was in another prison. If I was sober, I was in a prison of fear because I didn't feel empowered when I was drinking. It was just a mess. I was just a walking mess. And all of us were. I'm not just talking about myself. Yeah. And colleagues and other bands and whatnot, too. Your daughter, Jenea, was one of those moments where... Like you said, man, you, you, you thought, man, I, what's she going to be like and who's she looking at? It was kind of a helpful wake-up call a little bit. In fact, tell about the, I've heard you talk about how God used her as a wake-up call in your life on this trajectory that you've had. Um, a couple incidents with her when she was little. Does that ring a bell? Yeah. Oh, yeah. Um, they're tattooed on my memories, in my memories. Um, yeah, I'm... Thankfully, we got past it, but uh, a lot of stuff. I mean, her mom um, left left our family and um, found some just like felon dude, boyfriend, and left in the height of Corn's career. And she wanted to take her daughter with us, but I was like, they were, I mean, we were going back and forth on meth, you know, me and my, my ex too. Because when we started out, I told you we didn't do meth because our career, but I learned how to... About three or four years later, I learned how to function as, as a, doing drugs once in a while, not every day. But uh, so my wife got hooked on uh, meth like every day. I got this, some meth head and uh, they took off. And, and uh, you know, you, you want to hear about, you know, things that could um, tempt a man to commit murder. You know, it's uh, this skinhead guy just taking your wife, you know, and taking your money. And I didn't see her for a few months, and she, uh, when the next time I saw her at my daughter's birthday party, it was like she had a, 
Oh gosh, it was just it was it was very hard to control myself because we had uh, people bet. that would had connections that would do bad stuff to people, and you know a ten thousand dollar check would go a long way. And I talked about it, and I just had so much hatred. And uh, so yeah, my daughter uh, was involved in that. The, the kid, the poor kid, was not in good circumstances growing up. I took her on tour with Metallica. We were on tour with Metallica. My, my wife uh, left her with a babysitter, so I took that as an opportunity to grab her, get her away from the meth people. And she's like on tour with us. And they're showing, uh, they're yeah. showing a picture of little Janae. How old is that's she there? A, that's right when that happened, 99. Um, she was, well, I think it was two years after that, actually. She's like one right there, so it was a couple years after that. But yeah, just like uh, had all these bodyguards, tattoos on their head, and they're like... <laughs> pushing the stroller around backstage and <laughs> little baby on the Metallica yeah, tour made the best of it. But I tried to, I, I thought I could, you know, I just, I thought about her because her mom, unfortunately could not beat her addictions. And I was like, I have to beat my addictions, you know? And, uh, so I went to go get sober and whatnot. And, um, I just had a hard time with it, you know? Like, I got sober for like four months during 9-11 when all that stuff happened. And, mm -hmm. and then I started getting back to drinking and then, I had my uh, wisdom teeth pulling around that time, and then I got some Viking. I'm like, ooh, yummy. Uh, and then next thing you know, I'm getting prescriptions written for Vicodin. I got 300 pills, and it just was... I read, I read I you, couldn't get you out. were taking it sometimes, like 17 Vicodin a day. Oh, yeah. I couldn't get out. It was like... It's just like we were talking it's backstage. It's amazing you're alive, man. It really is. I know. It? I know. It? Thank you, Lord. I'm, I'm Thank like, you, Lord. so grateful. We've lost... We've lost a lot of uh, friends and peers, you know, a lot of you know about. And um, it's just, this, it, was, it was really, uh, really dark. And, um, you know, I got the end result and my, my biggest gutter time was when I uh, got back on the meth after years of being off it. After judging my ex-wife for being a meth head, I turned into a meth head more than she ever was. But I was like this crazy functioning meth addict i was doing i was buying real estate and i wanted to develop neighborhoods with with uh people where i lived in bakersfield i had moved back by back then and and i heard meth people like their their teeth would fall out so i went and got braces and got my teeth worked on while i was on meth i was like going against the odds it was like it was so dangerous because i was a functioning addict and um and so two years i was on that we went on tour with lincoln park and and uh Snoop and all these awesome tours, and I couldn't even go out and have fun because I was in my bus. We had so much like. What, why? You're just paranoid, or, or what? Yeah, why? I was like, I didn't want to be around people, and we were bringing in so much money back then that I had my own bus without security, and there's like nine bunks vacant, <laughs> so I could just sit in the back lounge. I had a bedroom, and I would say, security guard, don't bug me until I gotta go on stage, and no one, you know, they just left me there. They would always come and check on me. I'd be like, oh, I'm just, you know, I stay up all night and I'm just sleeping till showtime. And so I got away with it, you know. But uh, at the end of that two-year thing, I was just like, I was thinking about suicide. And uh, that's when I was like, I got to get sober for my daughter. She had nannies and Grammy to help, you know, back then. And so, you know, everybody saw it on my face that something was wrong, but they couldn't get it out of me. I would just, you know, talk my way out of it. And... Um, I just uh, I got to the point when I, when I started thinking about killing myself, I was like, okay, I got to get sober. My daughter deserves better than this. And um, I went to outpatient rehab. I couldn't get clean. I ended up meeting um, 
a, a, a guy that was really cool. He, he actually built uh, monster trucks and like hot rods and all this stuff. And he won car shows when he entered. And he was just like the, the talk of the town. And that's who I bought land was going to develop with. And he invited me to go to church, you know, and I just laughed it off at, at first. And meanwhile, in my brain, I'm going, this guy has it all together. He never got divorced. His kids love him. He's like, he's in their lives every day. And I'm just jealous of his life. You know, and he's not a weird like Ned Flanders, like the Simpsons Christian. He's like normal. He's normal. He built freaking cool cars, and I, he, I bought a Hummer off him, lifted 13 inches, and 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 he took me to church, and I was like, I'll go with this guy, you know. And uh, I go, and I just I saw all these people like with their hands raised and looking up to the heavens or whatever and I'm looking up trying to find some I'm like these people are weird man <laughs> honestly it's like when you don't know about it it's a little weird it's, it's weird it's a little weird and so and they're they're yelling in each other's ears and I'm like why is he yelling at him oh, no they're praying they're just really passionate and, and he said see that guy my friend who took me he's like you see that guy he's he's, he's like this crazy gang like uh um Hispanic gang and East Bakersfield and he's like yeah he was a leader he's got out of jail he's like turned into a minister in jail and I'm like really and uh ex-prostitutes all these sketchy looking people and I'm like it was more scary there than a corn concert <laughs> and I'm at a church I mean these people are rough they told me about Christ and I said in my brain I'm gonna I'm, I'm gonna I'm gonna see if it's real and if I could get I could change and I thought about when I was a kid when I asked Christ I go okay I'm not going to tell these people I believe I'm going to actually I did raise my hand and receive Christ again but I was like I'm going to split and I'm going to go home and talk to God and see if he's real what'd you say to God when you got home if you're real show me I put him to I I, I put him to the test you know I, I know it says don't test the Lord your God but Honestly, we, it wasn't a test. It was like, I need you. Show me you're real. And then I put, I knew if God was love, like they were saying, God is love, that if I put my daughter in front of him and use her, then he'll, he'll respond. I'm like, look at that little girl in the other room right now. She needs a dad that is healthy. She needs a functioning father. Her mom is out of her life. I'm a loser. Give her what she deserves, a good father. I just, I put it on her and I said, you know my heart. Cause I remember the pastor said, pour your heart to him, pour out your heart to God. So I said, look at my heart right now. You know, I want to change. I, I was like a seasoned prayer warrior or something. I just, he said, be real. And I was real. And I said all that stuff. And I said, amen. And then, um, I was off drugs and complete from alcohol in two weeks three weeks. Thanks. Yeah. Yeah. It works. Who would have thought? So we talked a couple weeks ago about how Jesus talks about living water. That's what you just reminded me of. It's like that woman's like, she's so thirsty for something like you were. And then, but everything she's trying doesn't satisfy. You, you've lived that life like everything you tried. I mean, Jesus is the one thing that's satisfied. It's the one thing that's satisfied. And you know what it is? It's faith. It's believing first, and then he shows up. I mean, just to, what I've learned is, like, we have a, we have a human spirit, right? And that's, like, the, 
It's the power of our existence. It's God. It's what we're made in God's image is our human spirit. Well, God, when you come to him and humble yourself and say, you're going to be okay, show me your real. I need you. Um, I'm at the end of myself. He fills you with his spirit. And it's the exact same spirit. The, not even, it's the exact same spirit that raised Jesus from the dead. And it has resurrection Amen. power. Amen. And it comes and lives inside of you. He comes. I wouldn't, if, the, if someone here doesn't know about it, I wouldn't have believed it if it didn't happen to me. But I chose to believe it because I needed it. And I needed him. And that same spirit gave me resurrection power. And I just, everything change i mean i'm talking like 20 years of addiction it was gone you know and i did have a couple fumbles you know i went to church high on meth a couple times you know but it, it couldn't last because i was seeking i was looking and i never gave up i was like i'm on this i'm on this study to see if this is real because i got a lot of fans and i'm gonna go tell them if it's i'm gonna, I'm gonna laugh with them at it if it's not real you know and if it is real then everything changes right now and everything you've been, changed. You've been <laughs> sold out for God ever since, haven't you? Yep. I've been, I've been following him, walking with him, in love with God, and, and uh, wrestled with him. Uh, um, you know, I've had, I've had it out with God over the years, once or twice. <laughs> but uh, I've never, I was like, so the disciples, Jesus was walking the earth, and, and uh, he starts, out, there's thousands of people following him. And, you know, he could have said the most, popular sermon but he goes unless you eat my flesh and drink my blood you have no part of me or whatever he said you're the pastor (laughs) close enough it's close enough he loses his whole crowd they all bail yeah and the disciples are looking at him like what are you doing you got a mega church you know how many donations or no they didn't say that but but you know what I'm saying? They're, in their yeah. minds, they're going, yeah, you blew what that. are you doing? You just blew the whole thing. And he looks at him and says, are you going to leave too? Are you going to leave me too? But for some reason, they knew that they, Peter looked at him and said, look, you have the words of eternal life. Where are we going to go? Where and else? that's how I felt. God, I've gotten to those places with God where you're just like, what are you doing with my life right now? Everything's a mess. And it, it's like you got, the, you got the choice. You can walk away. Are you going to see it totally resurrect? That's the word. Jesus is the resurrection of life, so he resurrects dead circumstances that look dead. Amen. So I'd never left, but I did, cut, I did have some words, and I said, basically, I have nowhere else to go. I already know you're real. I'm cooked. I'm done. So I'm just going to complain and just sit here and complain. <laughs> No, but I would, I would complain for a day and then just, you know, you give me faith. And I love how transparent you are. And, you, you know, you've been honest about the fact that there, there, there as it hasn't been all roses, of course. But one of the things you have done in the middle of all that, Head, is you, you have chosen to give back and make a difference in the life of other people. Um, like immediately, like tell about the orphanage in, in India, like some of that stuff. I mean, I think that's beautiful. All of us wonder you know, if I had the opportunity, what would I do if I could do something big for God? You've done some of that. Can I, can I just put you on the spot? And I know you don't do it to, to talk about it, but that, tell about that India thing. Oh, yeah, that was, uh, I mean, I was just like, Lord, uh, I'm done. I mean, you know, I was a little bit weird when I, when I first, I'm looking at notes, I'm not checking my texts, all right? 
So no emails, no mean emails to him. No, but uh, it was just a thing where like, Lord, I'm, wow, I, you, you love me like this? I know you did it for my daughter, you answered my prayer, but like I've, I started feeling like a peace that surpassed all understanding and, a, and just a, like a acceptance and forgiveness and love. And I'm like, I, me? Like, I, I, should, I don't deserve this, you know? None of us do, but at the time, I was so yeah. new, I'm like, gosh, you know, I was like the, I was like the, the, the porno king. I had, I was a member of every porno site. Back then, there was only a few, you know? I was like, I was a member of all of them. I was just a piece of trash, you know? And so, I'm like, I want to give you everything. Mm. And so, yeah, the orphanage came. I, I met a guy that was actually an orphan in India, and God just totally did miracles in his life. And now he lives in America and he has a ministry for orphans in India. And I met them and I just, I met, I met another guy who was connected with it. And he's like, I'm going to India in two weeks. And I didn't even know him. I go, can I go? <laughs> and I'm, I've just invited myself to go to India. And I spent time with these kids. And it was just like, it's awesome. it, it was sad and beautiful at the same time. And I just, you know, I gave whatever it was to... Uh, to start my own orphanage there, yeah. and we called it, because my nickname's Head, and they called it the Head Home, which is, you know, awesome. Head Home to Jesus, all that stuff. It was a little cheesy. It was a little cheesy, but my heart was right. And uh, I like it. I like it. Yeah. I, it's beautiful. And, I, and I, I mean, I just thank you for that and for that example, because people are looking at you, and I, I just think that's an awesome example. I, I want to talk, go back to Jenea, this beautiful girl of yours that you almost lost, honestly, you know, more than once. Yeah. In more ways than one, you almost lost her. Her upbringing was, was not easy. You know, you're, you're doing what you're doing. You're strung out the first part, and you're, you're single dad the other part. Um, can you kind of, I know a lot of people um, know some of this story because they, they've seen Loud Crazy Love, and if you haven't, you need to go. Where can they find Loud Crazy Love? Where, where? Um, I think you just rent it on Amazon, a couple bucks, you know, and, okay. and iTunes and you, stuff like you need that. To YouTube, check this. YouTube, you go. It's too Loud many Crazy many. Love, Brian Head Welsh. You got you to see the story. His daughter's this beautiful woman. We've got a picture of her today. She travels with you a lot. I, I'm, I know she's not with us here, but she's just this, this amazing awesome. young woman who has been through so much and now is helping so many others. If she were sitting here, um, what would she say to someone who's listening, who's who's maybe cutting like she did because of some of the pain she was yeah. dealing with or who's being bullied or who's, or who's really challenged with mental health and depression, suicidal thoughts. She, she has such a heart for that now. Yeah. And it's just a, I just got to say, it's a beautiful thing what you're doing with your daughter, that relationship. But in her own words, I mean, she's, she's become this beautiful ambassador for the love of Jesus. What would she say to someone like that? Just that, you know, you're every single person is so valuable to God and uh and you think that you're not seen or whatever a lot of people think that you know God knows the the number of hairs on our head and I got a lot of hair you know <laughs> he, he's very brilliant and he sees everything every one of you he sees you and he knows you and he's just waiting for that key, he gives us faith. He says, will you believe in me? And when we take those steps, he, she would just say that, you know, just believe mm -hmm. in him, believe in yourself. And, you know, he gives us that key of faith. And it's our job just to, to turn that key, mm. you know, and use our will. It's our will. We make the choice to turn that key and activate it. And, uh, but she would just say, keep fighting. She's overcome a lot. Um, 
uh, in the movie Loud Crazy Love. She, there's, it's very, very personal what she shares in there. And it's very raw. It's very real. Super helpful. And I haven't talked to you about this, but her mom actually passed away in June. I didn't know and, that. Um, and so uh, she's really struggling right now, and I uh, just asked for prayers for her. And, okay. But she knows she's going to op- overcome, and she's because, you know, God's with her. Her mom would want her to, and, yeah. and uh, you know, we're all in this struggle people, together, man. Her name is Jenea. I need the prayer people to raise your hand if in this room, if you will pray for Jenea. All right? And um, thank you. Remember well, that. Write it down. I mean, I know of like 10 people that have passed away since, since May. And, you know, about a few family, four neighbors. You know, we're in this together. And it's, it's, it's really hard, you know. I don't know how people do it without, like, at least trying to get to know God. Because it's Amen. just like, I don't know. Call me weak. Or call me whatever. But... <laughs> Actually, I'm strong for walking this, you know, but, you know, a lot of people call it weakness, but I don't know how you do it with just no hope at all, you know. It just seems so meaningless to me without God, you know. Right. Amen. So there's a lot of great resources. Brian's got uh, um, some, some books and things you're going to want to check out. Go to brianheadwelchstore.com, brianheadwelchstore.com, and there's a discount code that you can get to get a, a break that he, Brian's given us on all of the stuff there. It's Mountain 10, Mountain 10. So go to the website, brianheadwelchstore.com. I don't know if we have a slide for that. Maybe not. The discount code is mountain, then the, then the number one zero. And um, he'll give you I want to ask you what, another question here but that, that a lot of people don't understand. So here you are. You're like, I got to get out of this band. You quit the band corn to go home and be with your daughter, right? Um, we tried to take her on the road. Like, that didn't work, right? So it's like, and I turned to God away from the band. And there, that sort of makes sense to a lot of people. But then um, several years ago, six years ago, I think now, you, you went back Nine. with the band. Nine. Time flies. You're back with the band. As a Christ follower, tell us about that decision and, how, and what, what's in that. What does that mean to you? How, is that, what, how does that make sense? I'm sure you've taken some guff for that from people and probably still do who don't get it. Like, how can you go back to that or whatever? Tell us about that. Well, there used to be backstage passes, and we used to give them to all groupies back in the day. Now we get backstage passes, and I go and I pray with people. So it's like they they need it. There's no drugs going on. There's no cocaine. There's no meth. There's no nothing like that going on. There's no groupies backstage. Everyone is a family man, and everyone has grown up. There's a couple F-bombs, and I know a lot of these people will probably go watch Netflix and hear worse language. So... There's nothing wrong with the corn concerts, you know. There's to me, it's just like, it's it's really about the music and about the the the, the blessings that we have, and everyone's on a search spiritually too in yeah. their own way. You know what I'm saying? So it's just, it's very uh, natural, yeah. and I resisted it too because I was a little religious. You know, my whole story was I left everything to follow Jesus. I walked away from a 25 million dollar contract that Sony Music gave them. That year, I, I said, before I signed it, I walked away. So that was my big story. I left it all to follow Jesus. I don't want to ruin that story, you know, because it was heroic, you know, even from probably yeah. a little pride to myself. Like, yeah. oh, you know, but he, he was like, he led me back there. He showed me like, man, you know, he hung out with sinners. He didn't hang out at the church. <laughs> he did sometimes, but he went to the people. Right. So it's pretty 
pretty simple and clear to me after a while. I was like, oh, it's pretty clear. That's kind of what you do. You know, you go to the people. You know, I don't think he's uptight about a couple swear words when, you know, they're everywhere in our society. It's just, you know. You're a metalhead on mission, aren't I'm, you? Yeah, I'm a rough around the edges, man. That's I, okay. I'm just going to go out on a limb here, and I'm going to say, I, get, I would guess you might have the ability to connect and reach with a couple people that maybe say, I can't. What do y'all think? This Unless guy, they knew that you were from Aslan. I got my own platform, all right? But this guy here, this guy here, I'm so grateful. Um, we talk at Mount all the time about it. I don't care what your thing is. Go be on mission. Go do it for Jesus where you are. Come to church to get fed and fueled to go do what God's called you to do. And I thank you for doing it. I love this that you're doing it. This is the gas station to get filled up. This is the filling station, and I love that you're doing it. And um, uh, we, you guys need to pray for this because he's got opportunities to, to, to put in words of life and light to a lot of kids that were like you. They were in, they, maybe they got into the music because their life sucks and it's hard, and they're, they're, they're finding some angsty identification with it, and to, they're going to hear your story. They're going to maybe hear this interview right here. Yeah. And, uh, and that's powerful. Thank you, man. Yeah. God bless I, you for that. Thank you for, for getting it. A lot of people judge and they don't get it. They don't even take the time to understand. Like they just judge. Oh man, he's back. He's back into the band. And, you know, backstage. Think backstage. It's going to be so. If they came back, they would see it's like geriatrics back there. It's like we're old now. <laughs> we're old. It's chill. You know. And it's just doing it's, your yoga stretches before right. you go out. And I have like I gained uh, so many. Uh, you know, followers on social media, and I do these things where I speak, and I break down scripture in a non-religious way, just a spiritual. What's you your know, What's and your Instagram thing? It. They're eating it up, you know. Yeah. So God uses it all. What's your Instagram thing? I mean, we don't think we have a slide, but how do we follow oh, you? Uh, Brian Head Welch, one word. Instagram, Facebook. That's really Twitter, tricky. Everything. Okay, I've noticed you have a tattoo, or several hundred, actually. <laughs> yes, so. But there's one in particular um, that I'm drawn to, and I want you to just kind of wrap this up and tell us a little bit about what it means to you. We've got one with Matthew 11:28 on it. Oh, yeah. Tell us about Matthew 11:28. Where, where did you hear that, and what does it mean to you, and what does it mean to us? So back when I was a, a meth head real estate developer, um, <laughs> I was on a binge, uh, probably up three nights, no sleep, and... Um, the last night, I was trying to snort my way to make it one more night because, I don't know, wanted, wanted to uh, go darker, I guess. But um, I got an email from our broker, who, a real estate broker, who was doing the land deals with us. And he, he just got back into church. He, he had it grown up or whatever. And, and he, he sent me an email and he said, Brian, I do not want to be this guy this preachy guy but i'm just i it's overwhelming me that this verse hmm. may mean something to you wow the lord uh it says jesus says come to me all who are weary and burdened and i will give you rest for your souls and i just it went when i read the email it just went like i just i would love to have rest for my souls which you know, many people say, like, uh, the soul is the mind and the will and the emotions, and I needed rest for my mind and my emotions and my will. I needed yeah. rest because I was, like, out of control. The, my choices yeah. were out of control. 
So that was it, and I just I got it tattooed on my neck uh, immediately after uh, I woke up, you know. So that's my first verse that the Lord used to call me. So I love it when I see, like, I wake up at 11.28 or I look. It's just like God's wink at me. Yeah. Like, yeah. Yeah, yeah. Come to me, all who are weary, and I'll give you rest. That's, that's beautiful. Um, thanks, for, thanks for making this happen. And I, um, I've heard a lot of stories about people that are tuning in right now. And I've heard stories about some of the people that are here. And we're all over the map. But I, I want you to just talk to him. I want you to tell us what you want us to know um, about what's happened in your life and what you want to see happen in our life. And we've got people that are, we've got some Christians that checked out during the pandemic who are thinking about maybe checking back in. We've got people that, um, that are really far from God. We've got people that have been walking with the Lord for a long time, but they need a kick in the shorts. We've got people that, that just don't know if they believe any of this stuff. What's your message at this stage? You've got wisdom. You're an old dude now. <laughs> You've been through life, man, and you have earned the mantle of wisdom, and we respect you not just because of who you are. We respect you because of how pain has taught you. Talk to us. What, what do you want us to hear as we close this out? A lot. <laughs> you know, but I think... I was I was thinking earlier on the plane um, about the scripture. Uh, you know, it says, "What is eternal life?" You know, people think, "What is eternal life?" The scripture says that I've experienced it. To, eternal life is to know God and and Jesus Christ. It's to know Him. It's not when you die you get eternal life. It's you kind of die now to your ego, to your to your pride, and you surrender now and you enter eternal life now while you're living. So you can either die later and, and you'll see eternal life is real or you can die now and start to experience the goodness and, uh, and, and let Christ be formed in you. That's the, that's the big thing. I know people, some people struggle with believing, but you have to step into this and, and discover and explore it. Because once you do, I know from the outside, I believe me, I know I walked in the church for the first time and the music wasn't my genre. <laughs> and <laughs> you know what I'm saying? It's, I, I know it's foreign, but like you, you can find music that, that is your genre, that, that worships God. You know, there's all these, it's not about your genre. It's about, you walk into God and it's about him. It's about letting go of yourself and not caring, you know? But um, you would say, some people would say, where is God then with all this suffering? Where is God, you know, in the world? And I will tell you, he's, he's uh, God as I am. That means he's right there. He's, he's a conversation away. He's a conversation away from me. He's omnipresent and he revealed to you that he's real. And uh, you guys, you know, you just, you just got to step into it and do it for like six months, you know, go all in. You'll see it's real. You'll actually discover the meaning of life. If you want the meaning of life, you will get it if you go on this discovery. Like 100%. Yeah. It's awesome. That's what I would say. It's and it's awesome. up to them if they want to do it. And I promise yeah. you, at the, 
at the end of this life, you know, you'll be like, why not listen to you, Brian? <laughs> because it's so good. Once you get in, it's hard sometimes, but it's so good. It's like everything in my life is better. I'm a better father. I'm a better friend. I'm a better musician. I'm a better, like, uh, just everything, you know? Uh, the only thing I suck at, I can't text good. Maybe Jesus, you know, some things are too big for God. Uh. Practice makes perfect unless it's texting, right? You can't, you know, I know you guys misspell everything. Just joking, but uh, seriously, that's all it's about, man. Just to, to, to put your big boy pants on, your big girl pants on, and go and find out this is real for yourself because it's a personal thing. I can't talk you into it. You can't. Right. It's only you got to discover it between you and God. You don't go through a priest. Pastors, are, are, are they feed you, but you go straight to God in this. It's a relationship. Yeah. No one's better than you. No one's better than the other person. So I could go on and on. Just like, we do have a lot in common. We're both screw-ups that Jesus has forgiven, and we have a mission to share that good news, and, and we do have a lot in common after yeah, all, don't we? we? Do. Will you just, let's just pray right now. We want to pray for anyone who needs to respond, and that's every single one of us has a step to take, an openness to show to God right now. Brian, will you lead in that prayer, and then I'll just piggyback on the back of it, but just pray, let's pray for whoever needs uh, something from God right now. Yeah, yeah thanks, man. Lord, I thank you that uh, you understand our, you know, our hesitations as we come to you because it's so, it, it goes against our, you know, what, we're, what we grow up with, a lot of us. You know, some people grow up in a Christian home, loving Christian home, and that's, that's awesome. I, I would say the norm is, yeah, they grow up in a Christian home, but maybe not loving and, you know, but there's a lot, there's more out there that don't have any of it. And so you understand the hesitancy of uh, when we come into this. And so, but Lord, I just ask you for what you do best is you actually reach out and you, you give sight to the spiritually blind. And if you don't touch people like me or anybody out there listening, then we can't we can't take the step. It's like you, it's, it, it says in the word that the father, you know, mm. draws us to the, to the son Christ. And so I ask you to draw yeah. all of these people watching, Lord. I ask you to dissolve pride, especially in those men out there. You know, us dudes, Lord, can be prideful and just, you know, shake our heads at this and this and that. But Lord, power and real manhood is laying down your life first to God and then to the ones that you love. Amen. So I ask you for that grace, and grace is the, actually the empowerment to do these things that I'm praying about, Lord. So give these people grace, the power to live a real, mature, godly life, Lord. Mm -hmm. Only you can do it. It's, a, yeah. it's, it's actually an, an, an act of a, a divine miracle, Lord. Yeah. It doesn't make sense. You'll find no life changes like this in any other religion out there, Lord, because this is not a religion. This is a relationship with God, and you make these miracles happen. You make them happen. So make them happen here at this church, in this room, through the technology, out into the cameras where everybody's watching. Make it happen, Lord. And just like I said on the car right here, I want to hear stories 
stories from weeks after this, Lord, with all the resistance we, we faced. I would just love to hear stories. So give this church a lot of stories with this, Lord. They have no other intent and like motive than to see people have lived their best life. That's their motive. I know them. I, I know we just met today, but I know many of their friends for 10 years, and these are the real deal people. So thank you, Jesus. Amen. And Lord, just we want to pray your blessing on Brian and, and on Jenea, especially in this tender season with that loss that uh, they're, they're both experiencing and dealing with. And Lord, you've brought healing and help to her in so many ways in the past, and we just pray that you will be especially close to her in her um, area of, of just being wounded right now. We pray for her sweet spirit. We know you've got so much more for her, so just hold her close and help her just heal. And Lord, I just want to just offer an echo of the prayer that Brian just prayed, man. May someone hear those words of Jesus tonight as if they were just exactly for them. Come to me. Because I know some are weary, some are burdened. They're ready to get unhindered and disentangled from stuff that's holding us back. We need the rest for our souls. So, Lord, here we come. We're coming to you, each one of us. We pray this in the strong, beautiful name of Jesus. Amen. Hey, will you guys just show our appreciation for our friend Brian? Man? Thank you. Thank you. It was such an honor to be here. Thank you all.